As you can see, uh, I'm not Pastor Rich. Uh, I've got a little bit more gray hair than he does. So, you know, anyway, it's going to be an interesting morning. We're going to have like a tag team approach, four-member team that we're going to take different sections of the message today. So just kind of hang on and uh, enjoy the ride. So anyway, giving thanks after Thanksgiving. This past week, we've celebrated in this country Thanksgiving. Most of us spent our time eating turkey, various types of food, uh, feasting, football with family and friends. Across the country, parades were held and Black Friday followed. Some stores were even opening on Thursday evening and even heard the, the term Black Thursday. Okay, it's getting, it's getting worse. <laughs> Christmas decorations seems to be going up earlier and earlier every year. In fact, I've seen them, you know, Hobby Lobby has Christmas in September. So anyway, <laughs> so Christmas, but, but Thanksgiving Day should not be the only day that we give thanks. In fact, Psalms 100, uh, 1 through 5 is going to be our text today. So just follow along as I read. Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gate with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever and his faithfulness continues to each generation. Psalms 100, one through five. It would be good for us to remember that when the Psalms was written, there was no such thing as Thanksgiving Day. The psalm was written long before the pilgrims were here in America, long before turkeys were being stuffed as, long as, as, as well as the people who were eating them. And this psalm was written before there were parades and football games and long before America even became a country. You see, Thanksgiving should be centered around some, not some special event or some special date on the calendar. Thanksgiving should be and always will be a matter of attitude and the heart which also should bring us to action. Most of us would agree that Thanksgiving should be a matter of the heart, but it also should be a matter of action. Yes, Thanksgiving is to be a matter of action also. Look at Psalm 100 again. And, and, once all, and notice all the verbs that are found in it. Verbs like shout, worship, come, singing, acknowledge, enter, give, and praise. All these words are calling us to do something, some kind of action. Be thankful not just with words, but also in action. God calls us to be actively involved in giving thanks to him. As followers of Christ, thanksgiving should continue long after the fourth Thursday of November is gone, is what we need to do on a daily basis. So your first feeling is give thanks. Giving thanks is about excitement. The psalmist says, shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Psalms 101. God has made us people of emotion, and we should get excited about, about, about what God is doing in our lives. But you might say, what is God doing in my life? I, I really don't see anything that he's doing. You say, what? Really? Open your eyes. Look around. God gave you the strength to get out of bed this morning. He gave you the clothes to wear, 
and he gave you the ability to put them on. He gave you the transportation to make it here this morning. Even if you came with a friend, he gave you a friend you could ride with. He gave you the beat of your heart. He gave you the breath in your lungs. All good gifts have come from him, the Father of light. Isn't that enough to shout to the Lord about? He is the creator. He is the sustainer. And his eyes are on, on the sparrow, and he knows when one of them falls to the ground, and he knows the exact number of hairs on your head. He is the Lord. He is God. He is mighty. He is magnificent. Shout to the Lord, all the earth. Who God is should excite us. I must be honest with you, when preparing for this message, the word excitement wasn't really the first word that came to my mind when I thought of thanksgiving and giving thanks. As I continued to prepare for today, I realized this message was definitely for me, and I'm going to bring you along as the Holy Spirit helps remind us about what it means to give, give thanks and what giving thanks is really all about. Basically, I've been struggling with my Thanksgiving attitude lately, uh, probably for the, for the last couple of months. Most of you know me that when you ask me how I'm doing, I'll say, better than I deserve. And you know what? I really, believe, I really mean that and believe that, but just lately it's been a little, little difficult. It's been a little bit of a struggle to kind of have that kind of attitude, and there's really nothing in particular. Uh, you know, it's just kind of some life stuff, I guess. But this really was a turnaround for me. The Holy Spirit made me aware that I was not giving thanks for the little stuff, the small stuff, like I usually do. I haven't been remember how, how, remembering how God takes care of all the little everyday things in my life. I don't know about you, but for me, the big things like health, freedom, food, a roof over my head, those, those are a little bit easier for me to give thanks for because they're more in the forefront. They're things that I experience every day. But when you're struggling spiritually like I, like I, like I had been, the little things seem to, be, seem to come a little more difficult and, and really tend to be unnoticed. These, these are things like the flannel sheets that Nola put on her bed this week for the renter, um, for the winter. If you're not familiar with them, they are awesome. <laughs> when I pray and then, then uh, and instantly my re misplaced keys uh, are found. I don't know if any of you guys have experienced that, but you know, I, one thing I have learned, and Noel and I have learned, that we just we we have learned to pray for little things, and God just comes through. It's kind of great. And then when I hear "Where's Papa?" from my grandsons when Noel trying to FaceTime with them, and then lastly was my trip I had to Denver this week, and uh, I'll describe that to you. I took an overnight trip to Denver this week to visit. I have two employees there, and I arrived late Monday night, intending to uh, work most, most of the day there, but most of all giving them their, their, their annual reviews and then spending the rest of the day working on some client audit files that I had brought with me before my flight was going to take off about 7.30 that evening. I ended up... Um, only giving one performance review because one, one of my employees was sick. And after that, I tried to boot up my computer and nothing. It was black. Uh, I tried for probably a good half an hour, maybe 45 minutes to try to get that thing going. And it just plain would not fire up. So I just said, okay, I'm just going to get out of here. And I, I drove off and, and 
got a, got a 2.30 or 2 o'clock flight out of Denver. I was really frustrated that day because basically the day was wasted. I didn't get really any, any kind of what I felt meaningful work done, accounting work done. Um, but then later I found out on Wednesday morning that Denver had stopped flying about 6 p.m. That, that evening. And then getting out on Wednesday was going to be a real nightmare because due to all those delays and cancellations, getting, getting home on Wednesday and even for, th for Thanksgiving would have been a real problem. And guess what? When I got to the office on Wednesday morning, I fired up my computer, not a problem, worked great, worked great all day, you know? And that was, that's just, that was such a God thing. God just took care of me. He knew I needed, needed to get home, wanted to get home for, thank, for Thanksgiving, and that, that was just the way he did it. And I was like, even my IT guys, they couldn't figure out what in the world was going on with my computer. It was, it's only about four months old, so it's like, hey. Anyway, God took care of me. He reminded me again about being thankful, which brings about hope, which excites me to see how he cares for me it would, and, and what he's going to do in the future. In closing, ask God to reveal the areas in your life that have been difficult to give thanks for, thus diminishing your hope, joy, and excitement. Later in the service, we'll be singing a song that talks about 10,000 reasons to be thankful. I challenge you to start making your list. This brings us to our next point, and here's Mark to share point number two. All right. Thank you, Ron. I don't know if we do like a you know, tag team, so you're supposed to tag me or something like that back in the wrestling days. But the point one that Ron brought up, giving thanks, is about excitement. So hopefully you have that down. We're going to be looking at Psalm, uh, the second verse here, which says, Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. So your Bible translation may say, serve the Lord with gladness. Okay, that's fine. It just depends on what your translation is, whether it's NIV, King James, or whatever. But what it's telling this there is that as you worship, in your worship, let there be a joy in your service. So whether it's worship the Lord with gladness or serve the Lord with gladness, we are to do, we are supposed to worship the Lord with a cheerful, with a cheerful heart. So not out of fear, okay? not out of compulsion or force something that we have to do because we just want to be obedient to God and he tells us to do it, so we're going to do it. No, we're supposed to have this joyful, joyfulness about it, this cheerfulness about serving God. And that's what the psalmist is talking about there. Um, some of you may be in a situation where you say, well, you know what, this time of the season, whether it's Thanksgiving, whether it's Christmas, I, I just, there's just so much going on in my life. I can't find joy. There's no joy there. We talked, uh, uh, I think it was last week and the week before, about having this perspective, this praise perspective. So hopefully, if you've been here, if you haven't, uh, go onto the website. I'm sure you can find uh, last week's sermon or the sermon the weeks before. But Pastor Rich was talking about having not this bad perspective, but having this praise perspective about the glass always being half full. Uh, and Rich says that the glass should be half the size because then it would always be full. But he's talking about the praise perspective. So as, as Ron talked about, you know, the, the fact that we're all here, the fact that we all have, you know, a, a warm place to worship, the fact that we got a vehicle uh, or a friend that was able to give us a ride today, um, the fact that we have breathing, the fact that God has given us another day to honor and to worship and to serve him, those are the things that we should be uh, praising him about and being cheerful uh, about doing that for God in service. They say that service to 
uh, service, of, service to God or worship of God is the source of the highest joy that man knows. And some of you have been in that, in that situation where there's just kind of this, this high about serving God. So how many of you have ever been high? Well, let me, let me forget that. Never mind. No, no. Uh, those of you that know what I'm talking about, you're talking about this service where you just do something for somebody. And it's just something on the inside that just kind of resonates in you. And you, just, you just get this overwhelming joy about it. Um, some of you that may have uh, been racer, maybe you're a marathon, you've run race, a 5K, 10K, whatever. They talk about having a racer's, a racer's high, uh, about just getting to a point where you're, you just don't feel your body. And uh, some of you maybe haven't been there. I haven't been there. Um, but they talk about this racer's high. Um, they talk about uh, like Roll Tide, Alabama, when they win the national championship. There's this high, maybe next year. Um, some of you ladies, maybe you've gone shopping. You got this shopper's high where you just get, you know, there's something on sale and you get this high. Ah, you just, you're just there. But that's, that's what he's talking about there. The psalmist is talking about having this joyful giving. You know, um, Gary Smith is here, and, and years ago we went to a mission trip. We went to Purlington, Mississippi after Hurricane Katrina, and uh, there's, uh, I don't know, 18 or 20 of us uh, that took a, a road trip. There's four of us that took a road trip. The rest of them flew, big sissies. Um, <laughs> but but we, we built houses there, and I remember being on the roof of, of, a, of a house, and I don't know, it was, it was, I don't know, 180 degrees or something like that. Uh, but if you've ever been in Mississippi, the humidity is just unbearable. Uh, and where we, we were having to drink uh, water, like, a, you know, like, I don't know, a gallon of water every hour or something like that. And when we were done, if Gary, you remember, you could take your, your shirt or you can take your, your jeans or your whatever and just wring them out. It was, it, was, it was, but I remember being on the roof one day and, uh, you know, we, we, were, we had to get started at like 5 o'clock in the morning because by noon it was 130 degrees. But I just remember having this high about serving the Lord by helping others rebuild a home that was destroyed because of the, because of the hurricane. And, and I just remember being, not wanting to be anywhere else but there. And, and I think that's what the psalmist is talking about, that every day we should come to the Lord serving him with his joyfulness in our heart. Oftentimes when we think about worship, we think about um, singing songs, or we talk about reading the Bible. But what the psalmist is talking about there is having this mindset of honoring God, God honoring God with what we do. There's an action. There's a, there's a movement. There's a let's go out and do something. Let's, let's show God how we are a living sacrifice because of the, 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 the price that his son Jesus Christ paid for us. So we'll see in Exodus, God has always asked his people to serve him. We see in Exodus chapter 17, I'm sorry, chapter 7, verse 16, where God is instructing Moses about what he's supposed to go and tell Pharaoh. And God tells Moses to, to, go, tell Mo, to, to, to go tell Pharaoh, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has sent me to tell you, let my people go so they can worship me in the wilderness. Okay? So let my people go so they can go and worship me, so they can go and serve me. Okay, so they can honor me. Um, so even back many, many years before Christ came, he's talking to uh, Moses about that. Uh, the Bible proclaims that one of God's deepest desires is to have his people serve him. We see that in Deuteronomy chapter 10. I'm going to read verses 12 and 13. It says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord God ask you but to fear the Lord your God, 
to walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to obey the Lord's commands and decrees that I am giving you today for your own good. Going on to the next verse, we see that Jesus said we are to make service to God a priority in our life. We see that in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, where he talks about no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. So again, a reminder how we are supposed to have a priority. Serving God is supposed to be a priority in our life. And we are called to serve with gladness. Um, serving. Uh, many of you were here on Friday when we did Hearts Forgiving. Uh, um, something that this church has done for many, many years. And an opportunity to serve our community, not because you know they don't have anything. Many of the people that came, they, they have some things. Um, but to see some of these people that were going through uh, the lying and being able to receive uh, a pair of jeans, a winter coat, a blanket, a pair of shoes, many of the kids that came through. Um, those of you that were here, I appreciate it. I just want to thank you for, for volunteering and spending your time to do that. But I think we were blessed more than the people were. And we see that, we see that time and time again where we are called to serve. And it's, it, it's, it's more than just giving to people. It's also for us to receive from God, God's love through our interaction with people. So we're going to go to our third point. Our third point is giving thanks is about coming before God. So we see that in the second part of that, of that verse, the second part of verse 2, where it says, come before him singing with joy. So giving thanks is never stationary. All right? It's not static. It's not just where you sit back and, and you just give thanks. God calls us to move out. That's where he says, come before God, singing praises, singing with joy. Um, and we see that in Matthew 11, verse 28. It says, then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. So there's this action about giving thanks. There's this action about moving forward, about worshiping God, about serving God. In James verse one, chapter 1, verse 17, God has given us this great blessing. Our response is coming before him with joyful singing, thanking him for all he has done. In, verse, in James uh, 1, 17, it says, Whatever is good and whatever is perfect and, and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. So one thing we want to bring from this point is that giving thanks is an action. And it doesn't need to be, you don't need to leave the place where you're at. What he's telling you is come before him. It's not always get up and go. It's always about come before him in his presence. So rid our minds of our everyday life, things that are, that are dis distracting us. And just come before him. Set that time aside to worship him. So um, Ron's going to come, and I'm sorry, not Ron. Joe's going to come and, and give us the next couple of points. So as uh, Joe comes, I just want uh, everyone to remember the first one is giving thanks is excitement. The second point, giving thanks is about serving. And the third point, giving thanks is about coming before God. Joe. Thank you, Mark. Um, 
Somebody asked me earlier this morning, they said, uh, are you nervous about getting up and talking? Oh, three weeks ago, I was on national TV. So, I mean, this is nothing, right? Okay. Come on, laugh. Um, <laughs> I'm starting this, this one out with um, your next point, point number four. And it's giving thanks is getting to know God. Okay, and, and knowing God, we have to understand how well he knows us. That's, that's very important. It's, the verse is Psalm 100, verse 3. Acknowledge that the Lord is God, he made us, and we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. In this verse, it, it tells us two things. Number one, God made us. Number two, we're his, right? So let's just take a moment and look at these couple of things. It's, God made us, all right? We know God made us. I didn't make me. You didn't make you. God made us, right? People get caught up in being self-made. I, I hear people all the time talking about being, I'm, I'm a self-made millionaire. No, you're not. It doesn't happen like that. In a twinkle of an eye, you could be a self-made ash, right? Ash, A-S-H. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I wanted to make sure we got that right. I, don't, I, I know I'm probably being watched on Facebook. Hi, Rich, if you're out there. Um, but here this verse should help us combat those thoughts. God made us. You're not a self-made person. We have some control, right? We have control. You know, we have control where we can go get in our car and do things, but... But God is ultimately in control of our lives. And I love this. It's God knew us before we were formed. He knew us before we were in a twinkle in our parents' eyes. He knows the color of your eyes. He knows the color of your hair. Well, most of us anyway. I think some of us snuck a different color in somewhere. Not, not. He knew how tall you were going to be. I know my, my daughter Katie hasn't always been happy with her height. She's 5'2", and uh, at one point my, my oldest daughter had to have scoliosis surgery, and she gained three inches in her height. And Katie said to us a few weeks after that, she said, you know, Mom, Dad, I, I really think I need scoliosis surgery. I would like to be 5'5 five five instead of 5'2. So, you know, but God knew that. God knows us. He knew what nationality we were going to. He knew we were going to live here in the United States. He knew we were going to be in California. He knew we were going to be here in the Santa Clarita Valley. He knew that. It always amazes me what God knows. Have you guys ever, I, I, I saw this, um, it was a sermon by Louis Giglio. I don't know how many of you know who Louis Giglio is, but he's a, he's a pretty well-known speaker. Um, he traveled with the, the group Third Day for a while. And Louis does a sermon about laminin. Does anybody know what laminin is? Anybody? Shake your head. No? Laminin is the smallest 
beginning form of DNA. You can't, you, we don't even know we've got it. God formed laminin. He made laminin. Have you guys ever seen a picture of laminin? It looks like a cross. You think that was an accident? Yes, really. <laughs> Look up laminin and, and you'll be surprised. I mean, that's one thing that always amazed, amazed me. So in Psalm 139, the verse is so beautiful. When you think about that, he said, it says, you made all the delicate parts, the inner parts of my body, and knit me together in my mother's womb. No accident, folks. We need to be thankful that God did what he did. I know some people are like, ah, I'm, you know, my hair is not just right. I'm not the right height. Hey, God made you, and he made you in his image. That's being thankful. We need to be thankful for what he's done. And then we're his possession. Okay, that sounds a little possessive, right? Yeah, well, it is. We're his possession. We are the people. We are his people. We are the sheep of the good shepherd. We belong to him. Take a second here and think about sheep. What do sheep need almost more than anything else? Now, back in biblical times, they were very agricultural minded. Uh, everybody had their sheep. They had their goats. They had their donkeys and their camels and all that stuff. But you think about sheep. Without a good shepherd, sheep would die. They would absolutely die. Sheep eat what's in front of them. And they'll move a little and eat a little bit more. Well, when they eat and all that food, there is no more. Sheep don't know what to do. So the shepherd has to move them to a greener pasture. And that's what we have. I am so thankful that we have a shepherd that cares for us. There's predators out there that would be ready to attack us at any minute. Our enemy is out there roving around like a lion, but we have a good shepherd that protects us. Thankful, very thankful for that. I folded these so they would be easy to come apart, and then I blew it. Point number five. Okay, get your pens out. I was so glad when Chris sang the song, Better Is One Day. Because this next one says, giving thanks is about entering his gates. And, and just, just think about that. Better is one day in his courts than thousands elsewhere. Man, is that something to be thankful about? Better is one day with God than a thousand days without God, with eternity without God. Better is one day. You know, he's, he's such an amazing God. And in Psalms 100, verse number four, it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. And I, I really felt that this morning when we were singing that song. We were entering his courts. We were praising him. And it, that thanksgiving that we should have and just being in the presence of God, it's such a mighty, mighty, mighty God. 
and the feeling that we get from him, our protector, our shepherd, our Lord, our Savior, that's a reason for Thanksgiving every single day, not just on Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, it doesn't require a huge bounty, but it does require recognition of who God is. True Thanksgiving occurs in the atmosphere of worshiping in the presence of God. Just think of that for a minute. When, when do you really feel the best? When we're worshiping. When we can cast all our cares away and just worship our mighty God. That's when we just, the, the feeling that you get when you do that is amazing. Everything that we are, everything that we possess is because God is who God is. We can understand this clearly and totally and say, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for being God. Thank you for who you are. Such a mighty God and a wonderful God. I, I sometimes try to imagine, or I, I, I really hate to imagine, but I do imagine sometimes what this world would be with no God. We see areas all the time in, here in this valley where there's never a mention of God. And if there is a mention of God, it's always in a negative. Why did God do that? Well, God didn't do it. God is God. He is, he's our God. And he's a God. He's a mighty God. He's a great God. And he's grateful to be praised and thanked every single day. Brings us to point six. David. Some of you don't have a clue who I am. We'll keep it that way. Giving thanks, if you look at uh, the sixth point, it's about sacrifice. Giving thanks is about sacrifice. Our verse says, give thanks to him. Giving to God is an act of sacrifice. If you really think about this, if, you worship, if you're worshiping him, you are actually sacrificing to him. You're giving him your time, your energy. You're giving him your attention. You're focusing off yourself and on him. You're presenting yourself in a way to him that you're giving yourself in his service, for his service, and for his glory. That's sacrifice. And many of us, if I was to say to you that giving thanks is a sacrifice, you'd say, no, it's not. And that's great. Because sacrificing, giving thanks is supposed to be second nature to us. It's supposed to be who we are. And if that is what you think of worshiping, of giving, is it's just stuff that we do because he's God, then praise the Lord on that because it is who you have been called to be. I just like to think of it this particular way. The more you get to know somebody, isn't the more you want to sacrifice? The more that you get to know what they've done, the more you want to give back to them, the more you want to thank them, the more you want to be involved with them. 
And I, th and I think of that as, as a parent. One of the things is, how, how are my children doing? I want to sacrifice to them, but if, I don't, if they're not sharing with me what they need and what they do, I can't. I'm bewildered, perplexed. But also as a child, as my parents grow older and they have needs, I want to sacrifice and give and serve them. There's no way I can really sacrifice. There's no way I can really give unless they tell me. Unless they reveal their need. And uh, as my mother sacrificed for me her whole life. And every year, every day, I'm finding more of what she's done for me. And the more I find of what she's done for me, the deeper my love for her grows. And the more I talk with her, the deeper my desire to help her grows. And it's part of who I am. And I'm so thankful that God, just plain God, that he not only wants us to know him, but he doesn't have us guess. He reveals himself to us that we may know him. I want you to look at this psalm. Just jump from the beginning of it, from verse 1 through verse 5, just quickly going through this. It, it says, by the way, if you have an uh, ESV, there are six exclamation points. Ain't that crazy? Five verses, six exclamation points. That tells you either to be excited, right, Ron? Or that tells you there's a command in there. I'll let you know there's a lot of commands in this particular passage. But we... The more we know who God is, what he's done for us, I think the more we're willing to sacrifice for him. Now, here's the commands. In 1 and 2, he says to come to do this, to do that, to do this. But in verse 3, he reveals why. Because this is what I've done for you. And in case you didn't get it, he commands you again in verse 4 to do this. To do this, to be sacrificing, to enter to his gates, to uh, come in with praise, to give thanks, to bless him. And then he tells you in verse 5, why? It's a command to sacrifice, to serve, to worship. And when you look at verse 5, it's not in your notes, but it's in, actually it's in the front of your notes. It says, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. What he wants from us most of all is us, our time, our talents, so he can use them for his glory. Give thanks to him is the command all through this particular psalm. Give praise to him. Give your time. Give your talents. Give you to him. He is worthy of our worship. As you read through this, you see the great things he's done. The New Testament puts it this way in Romans 12.1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. God has made us in such a way that we're to give thanks to him, which he commands us to do. By the way, like I mentioned, each one of those verses in Psalm 100 is a command. Even the verse in Romans 12 that you see up there is a command. Present yourself, give yourself, worship he created us so we can obey him. He sustains us, strengthens us so we can obey him. He even says in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will obey my commands. 
Worship him. Enter his gates with thanksgiving in your heart. Giving is also something that we see as point seven. Giving thanks is about praising the Lord. Why don't you look at verse four? It says in your notes, praise his name. See, God is glorified when his children praise him. How do we do that? Let's go back over this uh, entire passage just one more time. We shout joyfully. Look at verse one. We shout joyfully for who he is. We shout joyfully, whether the things we create with our intelligence or with our hands, the rocks of the field are going to rejoice as well as Chris reminded us last week. Whatever there is, our voices, our bodies, our lives, our smiles, or whatever it might be, is to shout joyfully to him. When was the last time you shouted joyfully? When was the last time you had a glee in your heart because of what the Lord has done? Look at verse 2, to serve him to come singing. Both of those words are corporate. You all come in. You all sing. And the verse in Romans 12 is corporate. All of you present together. This is corporate worship. We are to bring others into worship with us. We are called to make him known to those people that we know so they will come and worship. But we're also supposed to make him known to those in our sphere of influence, whether we're walking to Starbucks or whether we're at work or at school or wherever we might be. We're to make him known so that others will see his joy, Ezra 6.22, for the Lord had made me joyful, his joy in us, and that joy will draw them to him. Serve him gladly, come with singing, knowing is taking every thought captive, making those thoughts obedient to Christ. It means, uh, in, in verse 3, it means to know, it means to make him known. Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before others so that they see your joy, they see your good works, they see your thanks, they see your praise, they see your worship, and then they follow him. We come to verse 4, enter thankfully, praising God for who he is and what he's done. He saved you. He's given you life. He's given you hope. He's giving you joy. We could keep going and going and going with this. He is God Almighty. I mean, there has to be 10,000 reasons out there, isn't there, that we could say, praise the Lord. Thank you, God, where we could praise him and sacrifice to him, where we could give him his worth. One of the things I'll do is I read through the Old Testament quite a bit. And in 1 Chronicles 16 and 2 Chronicles and other places in Chronicles, it repeats that verse, his steadfast love in verse 5. His steadfast love endures forever. It repeats it over and over again. The books were written about the same time. Psalm 100 and 1 and 2 Chronicles were written about the same time. And it says, his steadfast love endures forever. But what gets me with this is something else that happens in there. In a weird spot in uh, 2 Chronicles 6.36, it says, no one doesn't sin. I'm sorry, everyone sins. There's no one who does not sin. Isn't that just a weird thing? His steadfast love endures, his steadfast love endures. Y'all, sinners. <laughs> his steadfast love endures, his steadfast love endures. And one of our favorite verses in 2 Chronicles is 7.14, right? If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and seek my face and pray and turn from their wicked ways, sin then i will hear from heaven i will forgive their sin and heal their land we need a little bit of that then it says in verse 15 now my eyes are open and my ears are attentive to the prayer that's made in this place 
You see, it's really not about us, Psalm 100, our life. If you notice something in these passages, it's about him. Malachi 3.6 says, you're not consumed because I don't change. His steadfast love endures forever. And we can all testify to that. It's about him. It's about our God. Verses 1 and 2, 3, 4, and 5 talks about him as sustainer, creator, maker, giver, provider, guide. He's good. He's faithful, not just to those who are good, but he's faithful to us who sin. And he says, come to me. Come to me. With that, I'd just like us just to think just for a moment. Uh, we're going to pray, but what I want you to do also at this time is take out your card. If you haven't filled it out, we'll be collecting these in a few moments. But I want you to look at the card on the bottom. It has fun, uh, funky little stars. I want you to be thinking about those things where it talks about today I became or today I did this or today I did that. I want you to think about those things as we're praying. And if nothing there fits a need that you might have, I want you to write it on the back. But let's go ahead and pray just for a moment, okay? Heavenly Father, how can we walk closer to you? Some of us need to know you better. We need to be in your word. We need to be reading. We need to be proclaiming it daily. We need to get to know you better so we can love you more. For some of us, we need to come back home where you've opened the doors. We've been away for such a long time. For some of us, we need to come to you to praise you for the first time. What I want you guys to do is just think about what's been said today and think about how God's been speaking to you. I want you just to look at the bottom of that card. Is something on there drawing you that I need this? This is something I need to do in my excitement, in my sacrifice, in my service. If there's something you just want to write on the back of the card about a praise to God or something that you want to do, you want to get to know him better, you want to have a Bible study or something, just write that on the back as well. Heavenly Father, I ask that your spirit would show each one of us how we can know you, how we can praise you, how we can worship you, how we can be thankful. I ask, Father, that as you give each one of us opportunities this week to make you known and to make yourself in our lives, Father, greater, I pray that you would help us to see those opportunities and you'd help us to bring others to you as well. So help us to know you better this week, Father, and make you known to others each day of our life. May you be blessed and ever thanked, Father. In Christ's name we pray this. Amen.